hope you enjoy this message from South City C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. I'm really looking forward to uh, continuing a series that we've been doing tonight called Soul Talk. And in this series, we have been exploring some topics around the area of mental health and emotional well-being. And these are some topics that can actually be pretty tough when we're in the middle of dealing with them ourselves. Uh, And there are also some things that either most of us likely have experienced already, or if we haven't, we'll probably experience at some point in our lives. And so it's important for us to talk about these things from time to time. And this series is sort of inspired by the content around mental health that comes from Belinda Stott and Soul Tour, which some of you may be familiar with, with her and with their stuff. And Jaunty did an excellent message a couple of weeks ago called Beating Burnout. And then last week, Pastor John Thwaites uh, did a great message that gave some uh, great perspective on fighting fear. So if you missed out on those, be sure to check out the archive. Um, those were really great. But tonight, what I'd like to explore together with you is a topic that can sort of sneak up on you when you're least expecting it. It's the kind of thing that it's not until you're really in the middle of it that you might wake up and realize, oh, wow, how did I, how did I get here? How did, something's not right. And this mental health issue can leave us feeling very low. It can make us feel like all of our energy has been sucked out the window, and it can even leave us feeling as though we're not sure if we're ever going to really be happy again. This mental health issue that I want to talk to you guys about tonight is depression. And to tell you a little bit more about what depression is, we are just going to have a video from Belinda Stott, which should be coming up just behind me on screen here. Welcome to our fourth and final week of Soul Talk. This week we're going to be taking a look at depression. Depression has actually been called the common cold of Western mental illness. And I think it's understandable why when you look at the statistics. Globally, it's estimated that 350 million people struggle with depression. Let's start by taking a look at what depression is. Depression is described by many as a feeling of gloom or sadness. In fact, the word depression literally means to move something from a higher position to a lower level, which is why we often say we're feeling low when we feel depressed. Depression is not just in the mind, but it's experienced throughout the whole body, including central nervous system, gastric, muscular, heart or respiratory problems. It can also manifest as anger, headaches, backaches, fatigue, irritability or hypersensitivity. It can be on a continuum from mild sadness to severe dejection or despair. So that's a really great definition of depression from Belinda Stott. Uh, Said it another way, you could say depression is a mood disorder that can cause feelings of sadness and a loss of interest. It can affect how you feel, it can affect how you think, how you behave, and it can lead to a variety of emotional and physical problems. When you're depressed, you can often find that you have difficulty doing just the ordinary day-to-day sorts of activities. And sometimes you may even get to the point where you feel as though life is not worth living anymore. 
more than just a bout of the blues. Depression isn't something that you can just simply sort of snap out of. It's something that uh, in some cases actually can require the help of a counselor or possibly even some medication. Belinda Stott refers to depression as the common cold of mental health in the Western world. And that's because lots and lots of people have struggled or are struggling with feelings of depression. And so the good news for you tonight is if you're feeling pretty low yourself, the good news is that many people have gone before you in this journey, and there are a whole lot of resources and tools out there that can help you along your way. The Bible is full of stories of people who experience depression and tells of how they dealt with their depression, some for better and some for worse. However, as followers of Christ, we know from the book of John that it is Jesus' desire that we would have life and life more abundantly, and that when we ask of him, we shall receive, so that in the words of Jesus himself, our joy may be full. So it is God's design and God's intention for us to have hearts that are full of joy and not weighed down with sadness and heaviness. So with that in mind, I do want to clarify um, a couple of, or sorry, I want to offer a couple of disclaimers, and I also want to clarify the type of depression that I'm going to be focusing on tonight, and also clarify the type of depression that I'm not going to be focusing on tonight. The type of depression that we are talking about tonight is the type of depression that is sort of like a symptom. It's where the depression that we're feeling isn't the source of the problem itself, but rather is a sign that something isn't quite right in our emotional or our thought life. There is, however, another type of depression uh, that is not a symptom, but actually is the problem itself. And that is the type of depression that many experts believe is caused by a chemical imbalance inside of the brain. And uh, depression of that sort may need to be treated with medication or therapy or possibly both. Now, you may be shocked to know that I am not a doctor, and I am also not an expert on biochemical depression. So because of that, I'm going to leave that conversation and the conversation of whether or not medication is helpful or not helpful for the experts to talk about. And instead, what I'm going to be focusing on tonight is the type of depression that is a symptom that something's just not right in our emotions or in our thoughts. Also, it's important to say that depression can come in many different forms. And sometimes it can last for weeks, sometimes for months, and sometimes it can even last for years. It can range from a feeling of mild sadness to deep despair and suicidal thoughts. And just as the journey into depression can be short or it can be long, the journey out of depression can also sometimes take weeks or it can take years depending on what is actually causing it and how long it takes to work through that. So besides the biochemical type of depression, depression can be triggered by many different things, things like past trauma, things like being stuck in a situation that you just feel powerless to do anything about, or by just simply feeling like you can't see a good future for yourself. Despite the fact that depression can be triggered in so many different ways, I believe that in many cases, depression comes from a single 
thing. And that single thing is a loss of hope. So over the next few minutes, we're going to look at the power of hope. And we're going to look at what it looks like to defeat depression in ourselves and how to help others to defeat depression as well. And that's because if we want to defeat depression within ourselves and help others to do the same, then we have to learn how to restore hope that has been lost. And so if you guys have your Bibles with you tonight, go ahead and open with me to the book of John, chapter 21. So few things are more powerful than hope. And few things will make you feel more depressed than when you don't have any of it. And one man knew what it was like to be depressed and without hope. This man was one of Jesus' disciples, a fisherman named Peter. And I believe his story shows us something important about how God restores our hope when it's been lost. You see, Peter was one of Jesus' closest friends during his time on earth. And in his time that he walked at Jesus' side, miracles unfolded. As Peter watched, lame men begin to walk, saw blind eyes open, watched as a small basket of bread and fish somehow managed to feed 5,000. He was with Jesus even to the night before he died. And after years of seeing the miracles and the wonders of this man from Nazareth, and after sharing the intimacy of countless laughs and tears on countless nights around the dinner table with him, when it came time for Jesus to be betrayed and arrested, Peter denied even knowing who he was. He did this not just once, but three times. And so the man who showed Peter the rock who he truly was, was crucified. And as he breathed his last on that cross, all of Peter's hope died with him. Peter was lost. How did it come to this? He was following the Messiah. Jesus is God in the flesh. How could he be so easily killed at the hands of wicked men? And now what was he supposed to do with himself? Jesus was gone, and he had betrayed him. And if he wasn't Peter the Rock anymore, well, then who was he? But the story didn't end there. Three days was all it took for Jesus to come walking out of the grave with the keys to death and life clenched within his fist. But Peter didn't know that the Lord had come back from the dead. And to say that Peter was feeling a little bit depressed at this point was probably the biggest understatement since Noah said, I think it looks like rain. Thank you. And so Peter did what any of us do when we get depressed. We go back to whatever it was that we were doing before we dared to dream big dreams. Perhaps he figured if he couldn't be 
Peter the rock, well, then he'd just have to be okay with being Peter the fisherman again. So let's take a look at what happens next in John chapter 21, starting in verse 1. You see that it reads, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, the two other disciples, and the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. What else were they going to do? So they went out and they got into the boat, but that night they unfortunately caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the fish in, in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he'd taken it off and he jumped into the water. You know, the Bible doesn't give us too many details about what Peter was specifically feeling in that moment. But I would imagine that after losing everything and sinking into what was probably the most depressed state he had ever felt, perhaps he simply could not contain his joy when he saw hope himself waving to him from the shore. And so the other disciples who weren't soaking wet at this point, arrive in the boat. And together they all have breakfast over the fire on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And then Jesus turns to Peter. And I believe shows us something important about how God restores our hope once it's been lost. Take a look at verse 15 with me. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And this time Peter's feeling a little bit hurt because Jesus asked him for the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Three. <laughs> Great timing. Three times Peter denied Jesus, and three times Jesus asks Peter if he loves him. When the Lord is asking us a question, how many of you know that it's not because he doesn't know the answer to the question? What Jesus is doing here is he's reminding Peter of who Peter is, a lover of God and a shepherd to Jesus' people. 
And I think this story is important for our discussion around depression tonight because when we lose hope and we sink into depression, it's often because we get disconnected from who God says we are and who He is. Like Peter, we can easily drift into a place where we are allowing our circumstances or our shame over past mistakes to color the picture of who we are and who we see God as to us. And so one of the most important tools that I can share with you tonight in defeating depression in your own life is to come before God and His Word and allow Him to speak to you and remind you of who you really are. Sometimes this comes quickly, and sometimes this is a journey and a process that is walked out over a length of time, but the promise that we have of the Word is that if we wait upon the Lord, He will renew our strength. So coming to the Lord is an important part of defeating depression in your own life, and another tool that I have found really helpful in the times where I have personally felt depressed is to ask the question, where did I lose my hope? Can I be a little bit vulnerable with you guys tonight about something that was kind of cool that happened this week? So I have wrestled on and off for the last eight years or so with these sort of persistent feelings of feeling stuck. And it hasn't been something that's like constant. It's not like I always feel that way, but it just feels like at different times, I just keep coming back to this feeling. I feel stuck. And uh, there's been a handful of times that it's really gotten to me. And there was a time in last year, uh, last year in particular, where I was just really feeling low for about two months. And I just, I didn't know why, but I just felt so stuck and I felt so sad about everything in my life. I found it hard to pray. I found it hard to read the Bible. I even found it hard to just be around people that I like. I just, I just didn't seem to have any energy to, to get myself out of it. And none of the tools that I, that I had in my tool belt uh, seemed to get me out of this depression. And during that two months, I think I felt more depressed than I have ever felt before. And I actually got to the point where I was considering getting on some medication because I just didn't know what else I needed to snap me out of it. But I managed to get some good people around me to encourage me alongside my encourager-in-chief, Sarah Taylor, and I managed to get myself out of that really low point. But the frustrating thing was that while I felt like I got out of that depressive period of time, I still had those feelings of being stuck. Which brings me up to this past Wednesday, where Sarah and I had dinner with the grandparents of some friends of ours. And um, at the dinner, we had some pretty lively conversations. And I can honestly say, I don't think I've ever had anyone speak with such love and speak with such bluntness to me ever before in my entire life. Uh, but at one point, the grandmother looked at me and she said, ah, you're stuck. I said, I am stuck. I don't know how to get out. And she was quiet for a moment. And then she looked at me and she said, where did you lose your hope? And something about that question just seemed to 
seemed to almost like shine a spotlight into my soul. And this memory came back. And I didn't, at first I didn't think that it was connected, but I had this memory come back to the surface of this time that I was in a classroom in Kansas City eight years ago. And a teacher said something to me. And I don't think that they meant it, you know, wrong or anything like that. But for some reason, the way that I walked away from that was I felt like I don't have what it takes to follow God. I don't think I'm spiritual enough to do this thing. And so I think in that moment, what I picked up was some disappointment and a belief that I wasn't cut out for this thing. And so these feelings of being stuck have persisted ever since. And so this wonderful set of grandparents prayed with me and they sort of walked me through uh, renouncing this lie and asking God for the truth about it. And you guys, I kid you not, while we were praying, I just felt like something tight within my chest loosened and something heavy just lifted off me. And I have felt so light and so free these last few days. It is just incredible. <sighs> you and I, we are all a work in progress, aren't we? One of the most powerful moments of freedom in my life happened last Wednesday night around a dining room table. And it all started with the question, where did you lose your hope? Asking yourself this question helps you to figure out at what point you lost your hope. And that can help you to identify the cause of why you did. And that can be hugely empowering to you because when you know what caused it, then you can start to take some steps to do something about it. And this is important because if we want to defeat depression within ourselves, then we must learn how to restore hope when it's been lost. Before we uh, finish tonight, I also want to give you uh, five rapid-fire tools that I have found useful in helping the people around me who are in the midst of depression themselves. And so this first tool that I've found helpful is to, number one, recognize that you are not responsible for someone else's depression. Only they themselves and God are responsible for that journey. You can't walk the road to defeating depression for someone, but you can certainly walk alongside them and support them. You know, I've talked to a fair bit of depressed individuals and um, uh, had lots of different conversations with them. And one thing that I found really, really hard uh, when I first started was I would just feel so weighed down because I felt like it was on me to get them out of depression. And it was my responsibility to make sure that they didn't commit suicide. And so it was really intense, really, really stressful. And while I do believe we are called to carry each other's burdens through good times and bad times, it is important that we don't take personal ownership over someone else's depression. And that's because you shouldn't be taking responsibility for something that isn't within your power to change. One way to make sure that you're not taking too much ownership over someone else's depression is to never work harder on someone else's problem than they are. Tool number two is to be present. When people are depressed, just having a friend around them 
who can support them and say kind words to them can be incredibly life-giving. Tool number three is to listen with empathy. Often when someone that we know is going through depression, our first instinct is to offer them advice. And sometimes when we're looking at their life, you know, we might be able to kind of see a logical step that they need to make. And so, of course, we want them to get better. We want them to be able to make that step. And so we want to tell them about it. However, in most cases, depression can't be fixed by figuring out the logical thing to do because depression is an emotional and a spiritual or a medical problem, not necessarily a logical problem. So just listening and offering empathy can make a huge difference for someone who's feeling really low. That said, if a depressed person is open to it, we can also use tool number four, which is to offer encouragement and to point them towards the truth. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14, it says, We urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. Then the last tool, number five, is the most important tool that we have in our tool belt in helping someone get through depression, and that is to pray for them. When we pray, we are trading our strength for God's strength. And no one is more able to help the people around us who are experiencing depression than the God who put the building blocks of their heart together when he formed them inside of his mother's womb. And so those are five tools that I've found useful in helping people with depression. And I do want to say that tonight I certainly have not covered everything there is to say about this huge topic of depression. And so if you are wanting to hear a little bit more about defeating depression, I really encourage you to check out the Defeating Depression video that is available for free to watch on YouTube from Soul Tour. And we also are going to be going through that material within some small groups as well. And so if you're wanting to be a part of a group discussion, I believe, Jaunty, we've got a sign up for that somewhere. What's that? I'll come and have a chat with us afterwards. Um, but that'd be really cool to have you be a part of that as well. So depression within ourselves and within the people around us can be a really tough thing for us to tackle. But the little steps that we take towards restoring lost hope within ourselves and the little ways that we can help others to do the same can make a huge difference when they add up. And that's because if we want to defeat depression within ourselves and help others to do the same, then we have to learn how to restore hope when it's been lost. Would you guys stand with me? Have the band come on up. So maybe, maybe you're here tonight and you're feeling pretty low yourself. Maybe you felt like that for a few days or maybe you've been journeying through that for a few years. Maybe it's a passing feeling or maybe you've been on this journey to defeating your depression for a very long time. But perhaps you're realizing that you've been feeling more like Peter the fisherman and Peter the Rock, 
And somewhere along the way, you've slipped into depression and you've lost sight of who you really are and why you're really here. And it feels like you just can't see any hope no matter what you do. And if that's you tonight, then the way that I want to invite you to respond is by bringing your heart before the Lord. Just as Peter jumped out of the boat to get to the Lord when he saw him standing on the shore, tonight there is an opportunity for you to take a leap of faith towards the Lord and to trust that he holds within his hands the hope that is capable of healing your heart. So if you're needing some hope tonight, I just want to invite you, go ahead and close your eyes right now and just hold out your hands like you're receiving a gift. And we're just going to take the next moment to pray together for God to come with His Spirit and to visit you right where you are. Holy Spirit, we bring our cold hearts for the fire of your love tonight. Lord, for some of us, it just feels hard to keep putting one foot in front of the other. We're just not sure if we can keep going any further. Spirit, we are asking you to come tonight, to breathe upon us, to visit us, to move among us, to do in a moment what we could never do in a hundred lifetimes of trying in our own strength. Lord, I pray for those hearts that feel like they're just locked up tonight. Lord, would you come to them with the key to unlock it? Lord, I ask for light right now. Maybe we ask ourselves, where did I lose my hope? And for those of us that need to ask that question, Lord, I pray that you would show them right now. have this picture coming to me of the Holy Spirit as a dove just carrying these vessels of hope to different ones of you. Pouring it over your head. It's a healing balm. Lord, would you release hope tonight. Hope that things can be different. And Lord, as we turn our hearts to you tonight and as we enter back into this time of singing, may we know the Father's love for us. May we feel it deep within ourselves. And may it be a hope and a healing balm 
to the hurting places of our heart and our soul. We bring ourselves before you, God. No one else can help us. So would you come and do what only you can do? We love you. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.